Hi guys, it's Megan and welcome back to Megan's World. On today's episode, I'm finally talking about my mental health. I know, the long-awaited mental health episode. Y'all thought I was going to just keep sweeping it under the rug. But I'm in a mood where I'm pissed off and I just feel like if for some reason talking about my mental health stirs up some depression... My anger will just give it a bitch slap across the face and say, no, leave. I'm the lead emotion right now. You're not. Learn your place. And to give a quick little update about why anger is outweighing sadness, I've had time to think about Mr. 32-year-old, and I am angry because he relinquished his insecurities out on me and my sister Instead of just dealing with it and understanding why he's so insecure, he just put all that on me and my sister and then talked to me in a very aggressive way when all I was trying to do was apologize to him in person. So yeah, Mr. 32-year-old is like a shipwreck in the Bermuda Triangle. No one wants to go and find him. No one really cares to put in the time to go there. Just, he's trapped there. And no one's going to save him. No one's looking for him. He's just there. And will stay there. I do also want to give a warning that there will be some triggering subjects brought up. So just a fair warning. For this episode... I want to start off talking about my childhood, then go into my teenage years, and then start in my 20s and go to where I am now. I am going to try and stay on track and not lose focus because I do have ADD. So I'm going to try my best. There's a lot of information And my brain may, you know, overlap, cross wires, who knows? So just stick with me. So starting with my childhood, my parents got divorced when I was six. My dad remarried when I was about to turn seven. And then my mom remarried when I was about to turn 13. My parents' divorce has had such an effect on my mental health and how I view relationships Because I grew up seeing the not-so-pretty side of love. I mean, my parents, I mean, I tell them this, they sucked as divorcees. They they were the worst divorced parents. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's worse out there, but I... I was the only one of my friends for a while that had divorced parents. And so seeing how they dealt with it, I was just like, this is not how it's supposed to be. But okay, we'll we'll go along with it. I'm only seven. I don't have shit to say in this. And I mean, they were just the parents who didn't talk to each other, would make me and my sister talk to each other for them, 
or when they did talk, it would just be an argument or one of them would be giving the other a cold shoulder while the other one talked. And it just wasn't what, you know, you expect your parents to be like with one another. I would see other friends of mine have such a beautiful family and their parents have such a great relationship and dynamic going on. But then Tuesdays or Thursdays, my dad would just honk the horn and me and my sister would run out to the car and my mom would try to talk to my dad and my dad would just be like, mm-hmm, okay, bye. Or they would just start having an argument. <laughs> and it made me terrified of love. Terrified. I would be the type of person who would think I'm never going to get married because it will just end up like this. I'll be what my parents are or were. And so it was just hard because obviously you know something is wrong, but you're at such a young age, you feel like you can't speak up and tell your parents that they're hurting you seeing them like this. And that all you want is for them to get along and have a healthy co-parenting style relationship. But you just feel like you're powerless. And that's how I felt. This powerless feeling later turned into resentment and anger and frustration. But it was weirdly played out. Because I would mainly put the resentment on my mom because she was the one that filed for a divorce. She was the one that took away my happily ever after of a family. And I was just so angry at her for doing that. I, I was just upset. And I didn't want to tell her this to her face. So I would just act like a complete bitch to her. I wanted to make her suffer like she was making me suffer. Whereas with my dad, I was so worried that, well, at a young age, I realized that my dad just, you know, didn't like, well, both of my parents just didn't like each other. And I decided to become this perfect daughter when I was with him every other weekend and once a week because I, I didn't get to see him that often. I didn't want to be this bitchy young girl that I was with my mother towards him. I wanted him to see me highly and think that I was this precious gift from God. So I wouldn't act out. I would, you know, try and keep this charade facade mask on but it 
like chipped away parts of me because I realized that it would be hard to be myself with him when I got older, but I grew this fear of abandonment and rejection with my dad where if I, you know, acted wrongly or if I acted like my mother towards him, if I showed my true self, he wouldn't want that. He would reject that part of myself. He would reject the version I, I've been hiding from him. And he would just not want to see me anymore. And it's, it's fucked up, you know. But in my head when I was younger, that's what I thought. I thought my dad wouldn't want, wouldn't want me anymore. And he would reject me. And I would just be all alone without a dad. And so like I was saying with my mom... I felt like she saw so much of my dad and me and I hated myself for being anything like him when I was with her because I felt like I got less love from her and I felt as though she just didn't like me. And so it caused me to want to prove her wrong but then I would get pissed off and all that work would just go into shambles (laughs) I just listened to that segment if that isn't me showing my Gemini self I mean I literally said put a mask on and pretend to be a different person and I would act one way with my dad and then the other with my mom. I mean, wow. (laughs) If I wasn't supposed to be a Gemini, damn. And I know some of y'all may be thinking, really, Megan, you're going to put this into astrology? Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, I am. Okay. Going back to the original program. With the fear of abandonment, the fear of not being perfect, the fear of rejection, and all the anxiety that came with that, It was just the perfect combination for, drumroll please, depression. But obviously being 11, I had not heard of depression. I did not know anything about it. And I just thought I was sad for no reason. Obviously, I had my reasons, but my little 11-year-old brain just couldn't put the puzzle pieces together. The brain cells were not there. But when I turned 12, I guess something snapped in my brain and I came to the realization I am probably a lot sadder than most of the people in my grade. What is going on here? And I remember I would go lay out in the pasture because we lived on two acres. I would go lay out there, look up at the sky and just be like, why the hell am I like this? Why the hell 
are my parents like this? Why the hell is my life like this? And I would just send those questions up to the sky, hoping somehow they would be answered by clouds. Who knows? But I also started to understand what depression was. And I remember talking to my aunt and telling her how I had all these emotions and that there were some days I just wanted to disappear. And she was like, yeah, I think you have depression. I, you need to tell your mom. But for me, that was terrifying because I didn't want to give my mom another reason to think I wasn't perfect. And so I asked my aunt if she could tell my mom, and she did. My mom then came into my room later that night and was asking me, you know, why didn't you come to me? Why didn't you tell me? Do you think you need to go to therapy? And I said, yes, I would really like to go to therapy. I think it would be very helpful. And so it was around – I was. It, it happened like right when I turned 13 that I started going to a therapist. When I was about to turn 13, I started to go see a therapist twice a week for six months. And it really helped because I felt like I didn't have to have the fear that I would be rejected or the fear that I had to be perfect. I could just be myself with this person, tell her my issues, and she would give me solutions or we would just talk about why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. It was my safe space. And so... You know, I learned a lot, I gained a lot, but obviously depression doesn't go away just because you go to therapy. It's a constant struggle. So after I stopped going to therapy, I was going into my junior year and I wanted to, you know, try and work on making more friends and being more social. But at the same time, (laughs) I felt as though the way I would make friends, I couldn't show them my depressive side. Only Monica and her family and my family And then two other friends that I had at that time really understood my level of depression. I mean, I remember one day Monica's sister was driving me, Monica, my friend Kendall, and my friend Sam and Monica's younger sister home. And I told them, yeah, sometimes I just want to die, but it's okay. I'm going to therapy for it. And 
I know it's not funny. I know it wasn't funny for them, but I'm just reliving the moment and seeing their faces. And they were just like, what the fuck? They were like, what the fuck is going on in your head? And I remember that they started crying. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Like, I'm working on myself. I'm going to therapy. Like, I'm not going to kill myself. I swear, I swear. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. But <laughs> it was just, it, it's just funny looking back at their faces. And, you know, obviously, though, me, Kendall, and Sam aren't close. I will always just have love for them because they they saw that side of me. And even though throughout high school we sort of lost touch, I just will always love them as human beings. And they're doing great in life right now. So shout out to Kendall and Sam. Forever have love for y'all. You'll be invited to my wedding if I ever have one. <laughs> Going into my junior year, me and Monica were still very close but I set a goal for myself to, you know, branch out and make new friends as part of a way to sort of help with my depression. And I did accomplish that goal. But towards the end of junior year, me and Monica weren't as close, you know, going as we were going into junior year. And then senior year comes around. And I'll admit it. I'll admit it. It's, it's so cheesy, but I wanted to be a cool kid. I did. And I completed this mission my senior year. I became friends with the cool kids. But, you know, being friends with the cool kids meant you drank and smoked weed. And... You kind of have to have a very energetic personality because they're all energetic. And I'm not saying, like, these people forced me to drink and smoke. Like, they didn't put a gun up to my head and were like, all right, Megan, if you don't smoke this blunt, you're out of the group. If you don't chug, you're out of the group. No, 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 no. But I just felt like, you know, to... I just... Again, I just wanted to fit in. I was not looking to be the loner. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be edgy. <laughs> but that meant I had to be at 100%, almost 100% of the time with them, and that's very tiring and very exhausting and hard to do for me because I look, I can be social, but social battery is, is not at 100% all the goddamn time. And with that friend group, I just, it was a lot to keep up with. And it's not like I wanted to come out and let the, the group know, like, hey guys, so I'm Megan Rebecca Richards. I am a Gemini sun, Gemini moon, Leo rising. But also, I do have depression and get suicidal tendencies. A little FYI. No. Come on now. Come on now. You think I was going to out myself like that? No. <laughs> Most definitely not. As senior year progressed, 
our big friend group deteriorated and I became close friends with these two girls and we named each other the unholy trinity if I could go back in time and just slap myself for for that I would there was one girl in particular and I can't speak on her now hopefully she's doing good in life but back then she was the most chaotic, cancerous, crazy-ass person I had ever met. And for some reason, her and my other friend, when they were together, were like a deathly duo. I just became so miserable being this third wheel to them and feeling like, they didn't even want me there because they were just in their own world together and whatever I wanted to do just didn't matter. And it was more like I was just there to, you know, mother them and make sure that we got home okay, be the DD or, you know, drive us and go pick up Taco Bell. Dear God, the amount of money I spent on Taco Bell my senior year, repulsive. Like, fuck freshman 15, more like senior 70, because the amount of Taco Bell I ate, because I was so high all the time. Disgusting. And, you know, I started realizing I, I just wasn't happy hanging out with these people any longer but I didn't know really how to get out of it. But there was one day, one day where this crazy, chaotic, cancerous woman, she took us to this drug dealer's house. And I swear to God, I did not think I would make it out there alive. This man was like wanting us to sip lean and do all these drugs and I remember looking at the other friend being like we need to leave because I don't want to die today I really don't want to die today and so with me already feeling like a third wheel and being miserable and then just being in this world I no longer wanted to be in which was stoner world yeah I I was ready to pack up my bags and just leave but you know once I fell out of that friendship with them I felt like I didn't have anywhere to go because I felt too ashamed to go back to Monica because I was shitty and she didn't deserve me at that point but luckily with a lot of begging and pleading the big friend group took me back in and I ended off my senior year with them but I just ended my senior year feeling like I didn't have true friends. But obviously, I mean, you know, now I am friends still with the people I met in that group because we continued on. But just at that time, I felt like I didn't really have anyone. The other reason senior year was really hard for me 
was due to college because I'll be honest, I had a shit GPA. I didn't think I would make it out of high school. I had letters ready. I had an idea of how I would do it. I just didn't see the logic in trying at school. And also with my ADD, it didn't help whatsoever. So here I was having to see all these people get accepted into their dream universities and colleges, whereas I was just crossing my fingers, some shitty college accepted me. But no one really wanted my shitty 2.6 GPA. And I don't hold a grudge against them. I wouldn't want that shit either. So I decided that I would go to Blinn and Brenham because towards the end of my senior year, I was over Cinco, over the people at Cinco. I just wanted a fresh start and I knew no one, absolutely no one was going there. And I was right. <laughs> my family relationship with my mom and stepdad was kind of up and down senior year. I stopped being a huge bitch to them. Maybe it was all the weed that I was smoking. Who knows? I'm a very happy, chill, giggly, high person. Oh my god. Is that the reason? Damn. They should be happy I turned into a stoner. <laughs> I think they liked me more. But the only issues they had with me was during my little senior party phase, I would like to throw parties because I had a killer media room as my bedroom, so it was huge, and it looked out into the little game room living room upstairs, and my parents never came upstairs because for some reason they just decided to look the other way and pretend that I was still a pure little angel child who didn't drink and do drugs. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Uh, I always feel bad when I call my stepdad dad, but eh, eh, it is what it is. So besides that, you know, we had a pretty good relationship. I only got caught once also out of all the parties I threw. And damn, did I plead my case to the court of Becky and Tom Fuller. Like, shit, I had my facts straight, my evidence ready to go. I could call witnesses up to the stand if needed. I had photos on my phone. I mean, one time, <laughs> one time I got away with smoking weed on my birthday and my mom was texting me like, Tom's about to freak out. What's going on? And I went on Pinterest and looked up weed candle and I found one that sort of looked like it was on a desk like mine. I zoomed into it and I made the clarity better. I sent it to her and I was like, oh, blah, 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 got me a weed candle. Like we're not smoking. <clears throat> and of course, my gullible ass mother fell for it. Poor Becky and Tom really got manipulated the fuck out of me my senior year. I love them, but y'all got manipulated as fuck. 
I love you, though. My relationship with my dad, however, was probably the worst it's ever been my senior year because I started, you know, opening up to him and telling him about my depression and letting him see the actual true version of myself. But by doing this, my worst fear came true because he was rejecting this version of me. He didn't want to understand. He didn't want to gain knowledge on me. He just said, no, let's go back to the, to the fake version. And it hurt because I felt rejected and I felt abandoned. And yeah, senior year for me, how did I make it out of that one? <laughs> I'm like going back and I'm like, shit, respect for you, Megan, for, for coming out of that one alive. But I think the breaking point with my dad my senior year was at the very end when graduation was happening. And it was this whole big thing that my dad was coming to my graduation party with when my mom and her side of the family was going to be there as well. Because ever since my parents got divorced, my dad had never come to family functions or had a conversation longer than five minutes with my mom. So I was really excited because I felt like this was going to be a turning point. Yeah, psych. Brucey called up and said, yeah, I know I said I would come. JK, JK, I was lying. I'm actually not going to come. And I start crying because, you know, as a child, you want nothing but support and love from your parent. And I just felt like this was him, again, saying no and abandoning me when I needed him to show up. And then I remember ending the phone call and I was still crying because my dad told me at the end, you know, you can put this on a list of the things you hate about me. And I was like, damn, okay, ouch, that hurt the heart. But okay, I will. Trust me, I'll get my notes app open tonight. I'll probably write a really sad, depressing poem about it. How I have such fucked up daddy issues because of you. Thanks. But my stepdad heard me crying and told me to come downstairs and was giving me this speech about, you know, why my dad probably said no, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have love for me. And I mean, I love my stepdad so much. He is the best man alive. Like I strive to find myself a Tom Fuller as my husband because the way he loves me and Jesse and he loves my mom and he loves his own kids and just treats people overall is so admirable and you know I just love him so much I'm not gonna cry but I do just love him so much and that was a really special moment for me with him and I just tried to listen to his words 
later that night about my dad rather than, you know, wanting to just shit talk my dad in my notes app. But we all can't be perfect. So after my senior year, I go to Blinn and Brenham. And this is the part of my life I wish I didn't have to fucking talk about on this podcast because it's where my ex comes in. But, rude. But, you know, he is, well, him and his friends are the reason I hit rock bottom. So, <laughs> let's get into it. For the sake of the podcast length, I'm not going to get full in full in depth into my relationship with my ex and his friends. If you want to listen to that, listen to Telling My Truth podcast that I put out a while back. Obviously, when I got dumped by my ex, the fear of rejection, abandonment, and not being perfect were just shoved back into my face. But what came along with that as well was my rock bottom. And I think the reason I hit rock bottom because of them was it was the first time I actually believed what other people were saying about me and how they perceived me as a person. And I just felt like I had all their words written on my body and I couldn't get everything they called me or said about me out of my head. And it went on for two years. And within those two years, I would only go after the guys in that friend group or related slash associated with that friend group because, you know, when they were, I don't want to say like bullying me, just being dickheads to me, they told me that, I was pathetic. I didn't deserve anything good at all. I pretty much deserved bare, like, bare minimum, bottom of the barrel, just the worst of the worst. And so what I have now become self-aware of, my little sneaky-ass brain didn't clue me in to what it was doing deep down, but... I later realized the reason I kept reverting back to them is because beca- it, it's because I viewed them as the worst of the worst. I viewed them as the bare fucking minimum. I viewed them as the bottom of the barrel scum on planet Earth, and I knew they wouldn't give me anything good. I knew they wouldn't treat me nicely. I knew they wouldn't want anything real. And I knew that they would never truly want to get to know me slash like me. And so in my head, I'm thinking, why try and go, you know, find it when you literally have it right in front of your face? And so that's what I did for two years. I would just hook up with those guys. Looking back, I don't know why the fuck my brain thought that was the best option. You know, maybe therapy, maybe anyone, anyone else. But, you know, what's done is done. Can't go back. Can't, 
can't can't take away the body count with them. Can't do it. So yeah, that's what I've come to realize. But it did take me so long to, you know, rewire my head and my brain into realizing that I'm not what they called me, that they were just being complete fucking assholes. And that reflects on them, not me, in that I now know that I'm anything but. But back then, it it was very hard, and it took a lot of time because I felt like there would be moments where I would get out of that dark hole that they put me in, but, you know, I would just trip and the ladder would break or I would just somehow dig myself deeper into that hole. Yeah, not a great time, but we're better now and that's all that matters. I say it took me a couple years. So when I was 20, that's when I sort of had the realization that I needed to get out of this funk. I needed to better myself I needed to relearn how to love myself while also fixing the relationships in my life. And I first fixed the relationship with my father, which meant having the conversation with him about why I dropped out of college, why I wasn't doing great in high school. And with this conversation, I went in depth into really how bad my depression was. And I I saw that for the first time, he just never really grasped how suicidal I was and how depressed I was and just how lost I was in life. And it was hard because here my dad is crying because obviously it's kind of a slap in the face because he felt shitty about not knowing how bad I was mentally. But at the same time, I was like, finally, he's getting it. He's getting it. (sighs) Well, nowadays this man is like, suicide is the most selfish act a person can commit. I still don't understand how a person can just be so sad. Like, life is great. You should live life in a positive way. If you focus on the negative, then life's just going to be negative. And sometimes I just want to look at this man and be like, you don't think I bought myself upside the head saying, come on, happy hormones. Come on, happy hormones. You can do it. You can do it. Fight harder. Yes. Here we go. Bitch, I did that probably a million times in my life, and it has never worked. (laughs) And so we're still working on it. We're still working on it. I think I wanted to first work on my relationship with my father because, you know, I was entering my 20s, and dating is taken more seriously And I just wanted to smooth things over to possibly 
help future relationships, still waiting on those future relationships. And even though I pick the wrong guys, I, I at least learn from them. With my ex, I learn that honesty is key. Don't be fucking around DMing other bitches and don't be sugarcoating shit and then explode on me. Also, gingers burn, burn, burn. With my guy friend, I learn mind games aren't so fun after all. Don't be playing that dumb shit. Also, don't say or do actions that may, you know, make a girl think you like her when you can't reciprocate the feelings. Emotional maturity. <laughs> With 32-year-old, I learned aggressiveness, great in the bedroom. But if you're yelling at me and telling me to shut the fuck up, again, Better be in the bedroom with a nice big slap on the ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, I tried to get through that without laughing, but I couldn't. After I worked on the relationship with my dad, I, like I said before, took time to relearn how to love myself as well because for eight years it had just been self-deprecation, self-loathing, self-hatred, and yeah, you know, I realized maybe that isn't the way to go. Maybe I should just learn to be cool, enjoy myself, possibly love myself, but that took a lot of time, and it was very gradual, because look, this is what I realized. You can say, oh my God, I look so hot today. Fuck. Oh my God, I am so nice. What the hell? Oh my God, I'm this, this, and that. But you have to believe it. You have to have the actions to back it up. Because, like I said, I could look at myself and be like, oh my God, I'm pretty. But I need to believe it. I can say... I am such a caring, loving, nurturing person, but I need the actions to back it up. Like, you just need the actions, the believability, and you'll be good. Now, look, this is not me saying I don't have days where I look at myself in the mirror and don't tell myself, what the fuck are we looking like? Who the fuck drove over us with their car and left us for dead? What the fuck are we looking like today? And it's not me saying I wake up every morning and I'm like, I'm a happy, happy girl. No, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, nah, today is not the day. Today is not the day, but you know what? I guess you chose today, depression. So be it. 
So be it. Let me try and just stop you. But if you must, if you must, let's go. I guess what I'm trying to explain about these past three years since I've turned 20 is instead of being the stubborn ass I used to be, instead of being this cold-hearted, like, love-phobic bitch, I have grown and want to keep growing because, trust me, I still have a lot of fucking issues. Let's get that clear. But it's the fact that I'm willing to put in the effort no matter how long it takes because I want the best for myself and the best for my life and the people in it. To end this segment of the podcast before I get into the closing ceremonies, I want to describe and sort of tell y'all how my depression works My depression to me in the beginning when I first had it, it was a puzzle. You know, you want to finish it, you want to complete it, but there's that one piece that you lost and you can't find, you don't know where it went, and this puzzle is just forever unsolved and you can't finish it. And I think that's what took me a long, a longish time to realize my depression will never go away. It's ongoing. There's not really a solution to it besides pills. And I, I just don't like that to each their own. But also, there would be times where I would be so dedicated to being depressed and it sounds weird but it's like I loved being depressed in points in my life because it's like I gave all my time my energy my effort into just being that and there were times where I liked feeling all these emotions at once or just sadness or madness or numbness. But I realized I can't glorify my depression. That's unhealthy. Not only to my mind, but to my body because there would be times where I wouldn't eat for days. I wouldn't take a sip of water for I don't know how many hours. I wouldn't go take a bath. I couldn't get up to go pee. I couldn't even walk. I would just crawl. And even then, when I couldn't crawl, I would just lay in bed. And it affected, you know, my friendships and relationships because I just didn't want anyone near me. I mean, when I lived with my parents, I would tiptoe around the house when I was depressed like a spy I would hide behind walls so I didn't have to talk to them I didn't have to engage and they couldn't see obviously I was fucking depressed that's fucked up but that's depression and depression is fucked up and now I have a better understanding that I have to find coping mechanisms. I have to learn 
to compromise with my depression sometimes for my day-to-day life. And I, I don't want it to take over like it had before because I want to live life and I want to live a happy life in the best life possible. And succumbing and letting my depression be a parasite pretty much that's not a healthy, happy, great life. Well, guys, we made it to the closing ceremonies. I know this one was a long one, but you finally made it. And with that being said, I just want to say thank you to all y'all that listened to this episode. It really means a lot. I truly appreciate it. And I also want to note that if anyone who listened is struggling mentally, Feel free to DM me, text me, call me, Snapchat me. I I can be that person that you just rant to or talk to or FaceTime while doing a simple chore. I don't care. And now I think my overall message for this podcast was to just not only let myself rehear but to let others hear, it's okay if you're not perfect. It's okay if you have fears. It's okay if you're scared. It's okay if you're dealing with mental health issues because at the end of the day, other people struggle with the same issues and you're not alone. You have people who will love and support you even if the world or life gets really dark and scary, just know that there will be those days where the light comes down and you'll wake up, you won't be sad anymore, and you'll just have a happy day. So with that, I love all y'all. Bye.